back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Urrutia. And in this podcast, we wanted to have a discussion on the Georgia Tech game after re-watching it. Took a couple days to get through it. I know for me, Gabby, I was a zombie on Sunday just because of it's a late game and that's a long night and then I am washed up. So it takes me a little bit to recover from a late <laughs> game like that. Uh, but we got through it. Both of us watched it and, uh, you know, also now have some context too from the press conferences on Monday that, that help provide some perspective. Um, and so I think it is worth just sharing our thoughts, good and bad, of course, from the game uh, in general. And Gabby, I will let you start the discussion with wherever you want to take it here first. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not really sure where to start with it, but I think just like, oh, just generally overall, uh, you know, I I guess I'll just start on the defensive side of the ball. Like I thought that it was just a really, really like, you know, I think it was close to being a like just totally dominant performance uh, from that's on that side of the ball, especially early on in the game. Uh, you know, just I, I mean, I just thought Miami was the better team. Like I thought Miami was clearly the better team. And I think defensively, they made things really, really hard on Haynes King. Uh, I, I just like the way that they kind of just approached the game. Like I feel like the defense just came out, kind of did everything that you kind of want them to do, forced a couple turnovers. Uh, didn't realize it earlier, but it seems like it seems like Georgia Tech had a fumble earlier that they just got, like early in the game that they just kind of fell on. Um, so, I mean, really just watching it back, I think what what Miami did defensively uh, was was really, really impressive to just kind of set the tone of the game. And look, if Miami didn't I, I think Miami handed Georgia Tech essentially all of their points. I think that there was a few things that kind of helped with turnovers, Georgia. you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. With, with turnovers like the, 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 the Tyler Van Dyke turnovers. Uh, I think just essentially gifted uh, possessions, gifted points. But I think if like if Tyler Van Dyke plays a clean game, which is obviously a massive, massive if like I think that, you know, this could have been a three point performance for Georgia Tech. Like I think it could have been, again, just an extremely, extremely, extremely uh, impressive output for that Hurricanes defense just because of it seemed like they really had total control the entire time. Um, I don't think they allowed an explosive play until it was that Dominic Blaylock kind of. Haynes King kind of rolled out a little bit and he just mm -hmm. kind of plucked it in there. Uh, their own, I think the only explosive run to that point, uh, like just again early in the game was after the turnover, after Tyler Van Dyke's second interception that, or maybe it was his third, that, that uh, Haynes had kind of like the, had a nice run in the red zone. Like, I don't know. I just thought the defense played really well. And I, I mean, again, just positive from a positive uh, perspective. Uh, that was probably one of the things I kind of walked away feeling um, you know, maybe most impressed about just big picture wise. What about players in particular that flashed you? I know for me, like Branson Dean, you could see it. Yeah. Uh, his return because he was out the last couple games uh, with his injury. He played 23 snaps and he made his presence felt. I think he had three pressures. He might have even I don't know if he had a sack, so I don't know. But uh, he definitely I think he, he was definitely in presence. on a tackle for loss. Yeah, he was in on a tackle for loss. Um, yeah, Francis Dean was awesome. I thought Francisco Malgo was awesome. Very uh, good. Yeah, I mean, again, when Georgia Tech kind of had that fumble early on in the game, he was kind of in yep. on it. I mean, I don't know if he, I don't know if he forced it, but I think he'd probably get credit for he got like, credit for that for yeah. for a forced fumble. Uh, he yeah. had a tackle for loss in the first quarter. He also had that pick. I thought Francisco Malgo had 
Uh, a really, really impressive game. I thought he was all over the field just for that Miami defense. Um, you know, I, I think a few of these guys flashed. Like, I thought Ruben Bain had moments where he was just, like, really, really good. I, I don't know if it was his best from, like, a pro football focus, like, grading standpoint, but I felt like he kind of constantly popped off the screen. There was a play that Leonard Taylor kind of blew up like what looked like an RPO type of deal mm-hmm. that kind of left Haynes King like in a stuck situation. And that ended up leading to a sack. Um, so, I mean, Leonard Taylor, I thought had his moments as well. Nigel E. Kelly, I thought had some too. Jafari Harvey, uh, I thought played well as well. Um, so, I mean, those are a few guys that I thought kind of brought it, uh, you know, just, just throughout the course of the game on, on Saturday. It was good to see James Williams having a pick. Yeah. Um, that was, that was a big time play. I also think too, man, like, I get why maybe we don't talk about him much, but I think that's indicative of how he is playing. And it is Daryl Porter who yeah. I'm referring to. He's he's not a guy that gets tested much at all um, in terms of targets against him. And to me, you know, to some extent, I think that has to do with his coverage. You know, there might be some coincidence in that, but I think for the most part, if you're not getting targeted, you're doing a, a halfway decent job in coverage. And then one thing that is obvious with Daryl is his tackling in space that yeah. showed it up against Georgia Tech as well. So he's a guy to me that's just like been very rock steady here this whole season at corner. And, you know, not, not that we're here to, to talk about North Carolina, but his play is going to be massive in that North Carolina game as well. You you mentioned Leonard Taylor a little bit. I think if I'm going to highlight a guy that, you know, I, I wish picked it up a little bit, I would, I would highlight Leonard just, you know, obviously again, it goes back to that conversation relative to his talent level. You wish, I think he flashed a little more than he does. A yeah. um, little bit quiet in that game, but give Georgia Tech credit, I guess, for, for how they handled him. Um, let's get into, I agree with you. It was for 59 and a half minutes. It was a, it was an elite performance relative to the situations that they were put in. And the fact that they were playing a power five offense that was averaging 32 points per game going into that game. Now in that game, they didn't, they certainly didn't look like that type of offense. Just eye test against Miami. But I do think Miami affected them in some ways as well. So, for again, for 59 and a half minutes, Miami played a borderline elite brand of football and on defense. And uh, But now I, I kind of want to get into those last 30 seconds, those last, what was it, 25 seconds? I forget exactly how much yeah. time was on the clock. Yeah, it was, it was very little. But let's get into it. So... Obviously, there is that sudden change, right? Uh, game was essentially over, but then it wasn't over, as we know. We'll get into that later, I guess, when we talk about the offense. And the defense had to flip the switch, get back into game mode, go back on the field, and try and finish the game off themselves. Um, what stood out to you on that final drive? Yeah, on the final offensive drive or when the defense was on the field? Defense. Yeah, I mean, I think just first of all, I mean, obviously, I think it's just a it's not an ideal, not an ideal situation for the defense for all the reasons 
that you said where it's just like, I mean, I think everyone on the sideline is basically wrapping it up, saying their congratulations. And it's like, oh, crap, you guys got to kind of get back out there. And this is something that, you know, you brought up, David, earlier. And then I kind of watching it back, it became very obvious, uh, you know, on not, not the Haynes King touchdown pass, but the one to Malik Ruff- Rutherford, uh, you know, balls. I mean, he feels like he just kind of throws a duck into the air. It seems like to Corey Couch just kind of mistimes it or whatever the case is, but it's, it's, it felt like he had a chance to make a play on the ball and not even, the, didn't have to be an interception, but just to make a play on the ball, try to kind of keep Georgia tech on the far side of the field and just keep them, you know, kind of pinned back uh, way, way deep. Um, and he just kind of didn't make a play when it felt like he could have made a play. It felt like there was a play there to be made. Um, obviously that leads to, uh, you know, big chunk play for Malik Rutherford and Georgia tech, which in turn sets up that, you know, long touchdown uh, to Christian Leary. And, you know, I don't, I don't really know, man. It's just, I feel like it's just one of those situations where why isn't there kind of just more, I mean, I guess they could have tied it with a, with a field goal. And I think it's just one of those things where it was just a mistake. It felt like blown coverage, you know, just blown coverage uh, from those guys on the back end. Christian Leary's kind of coming on like, I don't know, just like an inside post and just kind of, gets lost back there. It just feels like Cam Kitchens kind of lost him back there, gets behind the whole defense and scores an easy touchdown. I mean, it's kind of inexcusable. Um, you know, it's one of those plays that I'm sure is going to haunt Cam Kitchens and, you know, just kind of sucks. But, you know, it felt like there were plays to be made to avoid that. Obviously, plenty of plays prior to that to avoid this just situation in general. But those were just some of the things that just kind of stood out, stuck out to me. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with the Tahori Couch take. In terms of, he did mistime his jump. I also think he took a little bit of a bad angle to where he was trying to go, and so maybe that caused the mistime jump as well. But he mistimed he he had an opportunity to at least get a PBU. He did not, and that play went for thirty yards. Um, and then Georgia Tech immediately after that gets up to the line of scrimmage as fast as they can. And they spike the ball, right? And if I'm nitpicking, again, I recognize this conversation is all in hindsight. Uh, we know the result, et cetera. And so it is easy to nitpick. But I think it is. I think <clears throat> I can bring forth some fair nitpicking here on that defensive series for Miami. I think it's fair to say when Georgia Tech spiked that ball, it would have been valuable for Miami to call a timeout, kind of reset, have the coaches talk to the players and, and, you know, just kind of reiterate whatever their, whatever their plan was in terms of, I, I I think when, when the ball got on their 44 yard line, I think they were still caught up a little too much in not giving up a field goal mode, if that makes sense. I think when you're on that part of the field, of course, you don't want to give up any points, but you also have to be cognizant of it's, you know, a touchdown is somewhat in play. And so I think they were a little too much caught up in don't give up a field goal, don't give up a field goal. When you had 10 seconds, so... The, the clock is kind of bearing down on Georgia Tech to some extent. Um, and so I think it would have been valuable to call a timeout, have the coaches talk to the players and say, look, 
whatever the plan is for the coaches, whatever they want them to execute, but just reiterate, obviously, the importance of not getting beat deep. That needs to be, like, arguably, you could say that's the most important thing at that point. Don't get beat deep. Um, so then my other nitpick at that point when the ball is spiked, and look, when you call timeout, maybe, I mean, of course, not even maybe, but you can change your personnel groupings that are on the field at that time as well. And on that game-losing play with 10 seconds left, Miami essentially had its base defense out there, you know, 4-2-5 look. So two linebackers on the field. And again, I recognize I'm saying this with, with the benefit of hindsight, but I think you could definitely make the argument you should have an extra DB out there and not two linebackers. Again, if Georgia Tech wants to run the ball into that type of defense, you welcome that. You want them to run the ball with 10 seconds left. So to me, that's not even a concern. But what you do need is more speed on the field. And, you know, not that it not that this even necessarily mattered in, in how the play uh, turned out. But again, I think if you maybe called timeout, got another DB on the field, took a linebacker off, had three safeties back deep instead of two. Obviously, I think that helps you in some way. And again, I recognize I'm saying this with the benefit of hindsight. But once that play happened the way it happened, essentially Miami lost on a scramble drill, which should never happen. Um, you know, I think to some extent Camp Kitchens was was caught in no man's land. And it's hard to tell on the TV copy exactly what happened with him. Uh, in terms of did he bite because he's worried about giving up a field goal or did he bite or did he come up and bite a little bit because he's worried about the Haynes King scramble? I think regardless, right, Cam has just got to know you got to stay back. And unfortunately, we've kind of seen Cam in his career at Miami freelance yeah. um, right. like this. Like we saw it last year against UNC. Um, he was freelancing a little bit. I want to say maybe two years ago against Florida state, he freelanced a little bit on, on a play that went for an explosive. So Cam does have tremendous playmaking instincts and you don't necessarily want to take that from him, but at times his aggressiveness on the back end does get him in trouble. And unfortunately it happened in that way. So I know at the press conference, Gabby on Monday, Lance Gidry says in hindsight, he wishes maybe he, he called a pressure uh, on that last play to, to maybe heat up Haynes King more into getting the ball out quick or, you know, obviously getting a sack or an errant throw. So I don't know. Do you think any of that is, is unfair of the points I make? I think, Really, the the one I'm most passionate about is just like that probably would have been just a good time to call timeout, settle things down. I don't think if the defense called a timeout there, I don't think it's like anything advantageous for Georgia I don't Tech think so necessarily. So. I don't think so either. Because like, again, like you call timeout, you kind of reset. Like at least you have what you want kind of out there. And then look, if let's say Georgia Tech, right, they clock it, right? They have 
I mean, there's really only time to run one play. I mean, again, because even if you run a play with 10 seconds, like the uh, then getting the field goal unit on or whatever, like uh, to me, it's just like protect the end zone because they have no timeouts. So you have like minimal, minimal, minimal time to get the field goal unit onto the te- like onto the field. It's just like to me, it's just I don't know. There should have been such a, an emphasis on obviously you don't get beat deep and whatever the case is. And look, I mean, it, honestly, in that situation, you kind of shot yourself in the foot. So if you're going to overtime, I mean, I think that's probably obviously you want to win that game. But to me, I would be much more concerned about giving up a touchdown than, you know, potentially giving up the field goal, like whatever the case is. And I just think the situation that Georgia Tech in was a really, really tough one especially just considering the amount of time left on the clock, all that stuff where they were on the field and just how quickly, again, they would have had to have make something happen with just kind of switching like those, like switching off the, you know, offense for special teams to get a field goal done. So like, I would have totally called timeout. I think all, I think you make a bunch of great points and they obviously did it or yeah. I mean, all that it's, it's all of it's like, it's mind boggling. Like just the whole sequence of events that happened that led to this going so terribly wrong for Miami. It's, it, it just doesn't make sense. And again, I think obviously, and yeah, Len, obviously, you know, like what you said with the benefit of hindsight, I think it's a lot easier to kind of say these things, but uh, you know, I feels like these are again, we're just watching that back to be able to pick those things up. It's just like, wow, like, man, there are just some really, really questionable decisions there. And uh, obviously I think, uh, you know, they were, they were significant, significant, significant lapses of decision making and judgment, whatever the case is. But yeah, very, very frustrating. I think, too, it's fair to point out that, you know, look, I think Georgia Tech easily could have run a, a quick play uh, in the passing game, gone up and spiked it, and maybe had a field goal attempt in the 40 to 49 yard range. But I think it's worth kind of mentioning that. Their kickers really aren't that great from 40 yards and out. So on the season this year, their kickers have combined to go two for five on field goal attempts from 40 yards or longer. The guy they're kind of going with now, Aiden Burr, he is two for three from 40 to 49. He has not attempted a field goal longer than 50. So he's had one long field goal of 48 and the one miss he had from that 40 to 49 yard range was blocked. So it's not like giving up a field goal uh, attempt of 45 yards against this Georgia tech team is a shoe in for them. So, and of course you have that college kicker element, et cetera, et cetera. And you're exactly right. When you're the home team and you're just kind of surviving, trying to survive and advance in a game like that, Obviously, forcing the overtime at home is advantageous for the home team. So, um, but again, this is all in hindsight, and it it's unfortunate to the earlier point that you made, Gabby, because this defense really did play a sound game for fifty nine and a half minutes. Things short circuited in the last thirty seconds. I understand why they would short circuit for any human being in that situation. It's frustrating. Um, but still, when you're on the field, you, you got to perform and you got to know situational football. And that's where I think, you know, Miami failed the most in that, both from a coaching standpoint, 
and from a player standpoint in terms of the way they executed on that last play. The Star Horton Group is a real estate company that covers all of Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Born and raised in Miami, Star is committed to growing his clients' wealth and securing their futures. One of the top realtors in the state, Star knows the ins and outs of the market to make sure his clients get the best possible value when they sell or buy. If you're looking to buy or sell or know someone who is, call or text Star directly at 561-573-4661. And here's the beauty. When you refer someone to Star, he will donate $250 to the Miami Hurricanes Athletic Fund in your name upon the closing of the deal. So to have a great real estate experience and help our Canes, call or text Star today at 561 573 4661. Money can be the root of all evil when you don't understand it. A couple of bad decisions shouldn't continue to affect us years later, and the path to recovery shouldn't be as painful as the regret. Everyone at some point needs help with their financial situation, and Pride Financial can lend that helping hand. Pride Financial offers a patient and judgment-free environment and will provide you with the knowledge and power you need to realize your dreams. Once they identify your goals, they will guide you to the finish line, holding your hand every step of the way. Repairing and building credit is only the first step. They'll educate you on a variety of banking and financial institutions, what resources they offer, and how to maximize funding for your financial needs. Gain access to a vast network of realtors and licensed dealers to receive outstanding deals on prime real estate and the newest vehicles to fit your lifestyle. They even offer education and services to assist those more involved on the business side of things. Text 305-393-7698 or email globalchoice underscore consulting at yahoo.com to book a free consultation with Pride Financial. And let's take pride in our finances. How about offense, Gabby? I think there's a lot of lot of potential talking points here yeah. on offense. Where where do you want to start? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, when I was watching the game back, and I don't know why I thought this, but for some reason, just like just kind of coming out of the game, I was just like something seems like really off about the run game. Like I was like, did the line like not really perform like? to the way that they have in the past. And I don't know, like I watched the game back and I was like, no, it seemed like, you know, those guys kind of did their job. And, you know, uh, I, I, I just think it, the, the run game just kind of lacks some of those like explosive like plays, uh, yep. which I think we kind of grown accustomed to, which obviously I think would have helped. But I mean, I still feel like the running backs did what they were, what they needed to do in that game. Um, I would say they were solid. Yeah. But they didn't do that extra you know, they they weren't good, I guess is what I would say. They were solid. They got the yards that were there to get, but they didn't do anything to get those extra yards right. that good running backs go get. Um, you know, I think on the day, it was by far their worst, you know, as a running back group. For sure. It, it was their worst performance in terms of yards per carry after contact. I think 
Don which is surprising Chaney. because that Georgia Tech right. defense was just like, and, and credit to Georgia Tech. I thought, again, I, I didn't watch every single one of their games, but I watched like three of them. And I thought this was by far the most physical that they had been, uh, yes. you know, especially after the, or like a rewatch. Like this was a different type of Georgia Tech team, uh, you know, just again, from a mentality approach standpoint. So got to tip your cap to them for that. Yeah. The, so Don Chaney averaged only two yards per carry after contact which is poor, like the the number that is acceptable, like if you're a good running back, is three yards per carry after contact. And coming into that game, Don Chaney was above three on the season. Uh, he was two in that game. Henry Parrish was even worse in that game, 1.59 yards per carry after contact. So essentially, when those running backs were getting hit, they kind of were just going down, uh, which is why... Is is big picture wise, like yes, Tyler Van Dyke played poorly. Those turnovers were were brutal. But the fact that Miami couldn't pop any of those explosive runs when they thought they were going to be able to coming into the game uh is a big reason why the offense did sputter. Um Parrish didn't force a missed tackle in the entire game, and Don Chaney only forced two in the game. So, you know, Don Chaney got a hundred yards. He got I, I credit a lot of those yards, though, to the offensive line. Yeah. I think a lot of those yards were offensive line yards. Uh, but in terms of the running backs doing their part to generate explosive, it was, I mean, the long runs for both those guys was 12 yards each. And I think both those 12-yard gains were in the first half and then never topped that again in the second half. So, you know, I think the production looks better than the actual performance, the production was 165, which is above average. I think the performance was was pretty average to slightly below average from the running backs in particular. I think the offensive line did their job. The running backs, though, didn't didn't do their part in my mind. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, and then, I mean, we can talk about Tyler Van Dyke. I mean, it just he just looked off all night like I mean it just it, it looked it just felt weird the whole time um I think there, there was a sequence I think it was like close to halftime where it kind of you kind of started to see well I mean first of all the the first interception that he threw in the end zone was just one of the worst throws I think I've seen from anyone in in a, in a, in a while like it was just it was short there was just no window to put it in it was late no, it was no yeah it was, late. it was just it was just like what in the world like it looked like just totally lost. Like it, like mm-hmm. I don't see any like rationale or reasoning where you can even point to that and be like, "Oh, this is what I thought." Like horrible, horrible, horrible throw. Um, but you know, again, and then I just thought, I really, I, I just feel like over the course of the night, like he, like I don't know, he like sputtered one to I think it was like Tyler Harrell, where he kind of just like mm-hmm. threw it at the floor, like, and I feel like after that, and then he missed Cam McCorm. I think it was like that throw, and then Cam McCormick. Uh, where he just threw it behind him. It was just like a sequence of throws where it's just like, yeah, it, he's clearly like off. And look, it was wet. It was rainy, like whatever. Like I, I get it. But I just feel like the decisions that were made were were terrible. Were just not good. Um, I don't know. I kind of wish they just honestly, like I know where Xavier Restrepo had like a big like 12 catch. I think it was a career high in catches. I, I wish they just would have just honestly leaned on that a little bit more. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, even go, going back to that first, that first possession that you have, they went on it. Um, they went for it on fourth and four. They went to like a little screen to Colby that just got totally blown up. But like Xavier Restrepo was just like a walking, like seven to nine yards for like the whole mm-hmm. first half. 
So it's just like, why not just like, and he was just getting open. He was just finding little soft spots and just sitting there and then just making like, I don't know why you don't go to Xavier Restrepo in that situation. I thought he should have had one of those games where it was just like, you know, historic where he should have caught like 17 balls and maybe the, the total yardage isn't anything like overwhelming, but like, I thought he should have just been attacked much more. Cause I felt like that was the safest, cleanest option all night. And mm-hmm. there was a, I think there was a time in the second, I think it was the second in the, in the second half, they're driving down the field and he kind of like forces a ball. I think it's, it was to Tyler Harrell and Xavier Strippel is like outside of him. Um, And like Xavier Strippel is wide open on the sideline and he kind of like forces it to uh, Tyler Harrell. And it's just like, I felt like Tyler Van Dyke just had a really, really off night uh, in so many different ways. Uh, we talked about turnover worthy plays and he had three interceptions. I think there was like a path to like five. One of them, Georgia Tech dropped an easy one in the end zone. Um, that kind of just bounced off the I guys. I think there like, was five. He was credited with four, but I agree with yeah. you. I, I think there was another one that yeah, for he whatever threw reason. One to, he threw one to Colby that the defender was just like all over. Like he basically threw it at the guy's yeah. like number. Like he, they threw, he threw right, it as like, as right. like his nameplate. And it's just like, come on. Like, 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 what do you like? It's just. It felt so weird because he had looked so different, like, you know, all year. And I don't know where this came from. And maybe it was something Georgia said. But, I mean, I just feel like if you're a good quarterback like that, like, like if you're an NFL quarterback, like, I feel like this is just one of, like, these are these are the type of performances I feel like you just don't see. And, again, I, and I'm not expecting everyone to have their, you know, to, you know, be humming their fastball every single night or whatever. Like, I get that there's up and down performances. But this just felt like like kind of mental like it was just not yeah, it, like was. it was just not seeing things properly and then just not making the good decisions and uh yeah i honestly think it costed miami a ton and again s- despite all of that i still think there was a very clear path to victory for miami that they just blew which sucks but yeah tyler van dyke oof, that was a that was a pretty horrific performance how much do you credit the uh, defensive coordinator switch by Georgia Tech for Tyler's struggles and because it did seem like the coverage stuff Georgia Tech was doing bothered Tyler. I think that's fair to say, and yeah. I think it's fair to say that for the majority of the game, look, all defenses are going to switch up coverages during the course of a game, but Georgia Tech, for the most part, was going two high safeties, and it was mainly quarters coverage, and it was and it was some like cover two mixed in there as well. So it was basically a lot of soft stuff and taking away kind of explosive, uh, deep to intermediate passing type of plays. Um, I got to look. I mean, I, I think that's the most of that type of coverage Tyler Van Dyke has seen this season to this point. Um, you know, I don't think Miami of Ohio played that type of coverage in that game, but they did play soft. They played off, but I think Miami of Ohio was more like a cover one, cover three type of defense. I wonder if this is now going to be, I mean, I'm sure it will be the copycat Definitely. moving forward. Um, and Tyler's going to have to show that he can beat those type of coverages. I think that Georgia Tech defensive coordinator change is is a big reason why Georgia Tech won that game beyond of course the bad fumble you know the wrong fumble call Mario Cristobal not kneeling etc cetera, etc cetera. that Georgia Tech defensive coordinator change did impact the game not that he was doing anything tricky he wasn't um 
but it did bother Tyler Van Dyke for some reason. Yeah, I th- I just think it obviously gave him, I think it just made him, it just confused him a lot. Yes. And again, I think they just laid out the blueprint. And again, that now Tyler Van Dyke's going to see that every single, like until he figures it out, until he learns how to beat it. I feel like, again, like that's, that's the clear formula on shaking him up and making things difficult for him. Um, because again, like I, I think that it took away a lot of the things that Tyler kind of wants to do. And again, and I, I think to me, it's just like, that's another reason why, like, that's why Restrepo was just kind of like open all day. And I feel like, again, you yeah. didn't have, you didn't have it all there. Like, I feel like you should, they were running the ball and again, it wasn't your greatest performance from a running game, but you were still able to kind of do what it you was good enough. To do. It, it was, was good definitely enough. good enough. So, I mean, if you had to methodically just kind of push it down the field with little, ch- I mean, you had to, you, you basically had like just force them to take away. Cause it felt like they didn't, they didn't even really like take away Restrepo. I feel like every time he was kind of there, yeah. he kind of, he was just able to kind of do whatever it is that he wanted to do. He made that really good play up the seam and honestly, good ball by Tyler to get it to him on that big, uh, you know, explosive Excellent that, throw. that, yeah, Excellent great, throw. great throw. And, and, you know, the ball to Colby, like, you know, I think that was a good play too, when he kind of saw that the look was there. Like, I do think he had his so moments that's... where it was, that's where like I have to be critical of Shannon Dawson for that game because I think he was a little too patient with trying to run the ball in that game. And I get it, like coming in, right? Yeah, Georgia Tech was terrible against the run. Terrible. And you assume eventually you're going to pop something. And of course, I'm saying this with hindsight. I recognize that. But I think he was still even a little too patient. And I understand too, like there was, there's that, elements of trying to balance the struggles of Tyler that are happening early on in that game as well. So do you really want to be pushing it far downfield, et cetera? But when you've got, you know, for the most part, again, Georgia tech was playing two high safety looks with quarters or cover two cover uh, coverage looks. And, you know, that means in general, there are three ways to move the ball against those type of looks. You run the ball into that soft box, which Miami was doing and very willing to do and had, you know, some sort of like efficient-ish type of success, but not much explosive success running the ball into those light boxes like you would hope. Um, So that's a win for Georgia Tech, honestly, that they were able to accomplish that. The other way to beat them, to beat that coverage is quick game on the perimeter. And for whatever reason... Miami's receivers couldn't make the first man miss, couldn't shake tackles, couldn't go pick up the first downs. I, I went and looked, Gabby. There was so to to Colby, Jacoby, and Restrepo on the short, quick game passes that were on the perimeter. Um, I think it was six targets to those three guys. Miami only picked up one first down on those plays. So they weren't making guys miss. Now they were converting some first downs. Uh, on on quick game to the middle of the field, mainly Xavier Restrepo picking up those first downs. Um, so that really wasn't working in terms of getting yak, which was yeah. something we we also said Georgia Tech struggled with right. coming into that game. Um, and then the other way is you you throw the ball against quarters coverage. You have to throw the like to generate explosives. You have to throw the ball deep and over the middle. And we didn't see Shannon Dawson really dialing that up until, you know, the Restrepo play. I don't know. When was that? Mid to late third quarter. It was late. It was later in the game. And then Colby Young was what? Late third, early fourth. Mm -hmm. I forget exactly. And, you know, you saw some success in those areas. So I think, 
I think Shannon was just a little too late on getting to those types of concepts um, to kind of try it. You got to try and get Georgia Tech out of those looks and make them uncomfortable. You know, we know Shannon Dawson is perfectly willing to, quote unquote, take what a defense gives us, which I think is fine, right? That philosophy makes sense on paper. But to some extent, defenses can know that that's your philosophy and use that to their advantage. And in some ways, they can dictate to the offense what you're going to do. And so then we just have to go win knowing what's coming, right? So when Georgia Tech has two high safeties back, they know more times than not, Miami's going to check to a run uh, in those looks. Now, it's up to Miami to make them pay for it. And unfortunately, on that get on that night, Miami's running backs couldn't make Georgia Tech pay for it running into those light boxes. Um, I also think, look, when you're talking about throwing deep into the middle, and maybe this is a little too nitpicky, I don't know, but I think it's it's a discussion worth having. Why isn't Tyler Harrell getting much burn on like deep post looks? Uh, Harrell can do one thing very well, and that is run a deep post. Uh, and this was the game to do that. And uh, he wasn't targeted once in the deep passing game in this in this previous game. He's only on the season. He's only been targeted once on a deep shot. That was, you know, a go ball against Temple uh, down the right sideline. I think as Miami was was facing, and it didn't didn't complete. But you know, targets on deep posts is how you have to beat corridor. You got to get a defense out of their quarters looks and. Miami has a guy that can be a quarters breaker in Tyler Harrell, and they didn't use him in that way. So I'm just, in general, I'm just having a hard time understanding why you brought Tyler Harrell in if you're not going to use him at the one thing yeah. he's elite at. Um, it feels like they haven't just done anything with him, really. And I feel like the things that they have asked him to do is just, like, obviously not his bread and butter. Correct. Yeah, quick game stuff is not yeah, him. Yeah, it's definitely not him. I also thought from Shannon the approach in the red zone was poor and especially after so the red zone trip after the James Williams pick like that was a big moment in the game where Miami could yeah. have delivered a knockout blow I think yeah uh, that was uh, that was a horrific drive you know they had like to settle for a session. field goal so they got points but what I disliked and it goes to your point about Xavier Restrepo. What I dislike most about that quick little drive, it was only a three-play drive, um, fell apart, three and out. Yeah. They had to settle for the field goal. They got but sacked. On... I think they got sacked coming off the timeout. I think they called timeout, and then they got sacked. Yep. yep. And so on those last two plays of that three-play drive, um, there was no Restrepo in the game. Yeah. And I have an issue with that personnel grouping in that critical situation, the personnel grouping on the field for those two plays, they went tight end heavy. So they had Riley Williams and Cam McCormick in the game uh, in line. I think both those guys, Henry Parrish was the back. Their receivers were Jacoby who was not having a good game at all. Like it was just not a Jacoby game. And the other receiver was Isaiah Horton. I believe he was in because at that time of the game, Colby young was still getting his, knee thing looked at um, that he sustained earlier in the game. So your best weapon 
definitely in that game in uh, Xavier Restrepo was not on the field. And I think that is poor management by Shannon Dawson. So what they tried to run this mesh concept that, you know, the tight end mesh concept that kind of worked, it did work. It worked earlier in the game. That's what Riley Williams scored his touchdown on. They tried to do that again on that third down play and Georgia tech just sent a, you know, a ton of blitzers and got to, to Tyler but, you know, as you're watching the play, like, you know, Isaiah Horton's a young guy. He doesn't really understand, like, that you got to, you got to, you know, potentially you are the hot read sometimes. And so he's not looking at Tyler at all while Ty, while Ty, the, the defenders are bearing down on Tyler. So he's not necessarily an option. Um, Jacoby was motioned and he was like wheeling out down the sideline and he wasn't open. And then, you know, the, the blitzers are bearing down on Tyler and the tight ends can't get open quick enough for Tyler to, to try and give them an opportunity. Would have been nice to have a guy like Xavier Restrepo who has a strong rapport with Tyler, um, understands when he has to be the hot read, et cetera. Would have been nice to have him on the field in that critical situation. So I think Shannon Dawson failed in that situation. I also have an issue, Gabby, with the last drive playcock time management. Um, Miami was executing a beautiful four-minute offense. Oh, fantastic. Before the fumble, right? And they were just running it down Georgia Tech's throats. It was excellent. It's what Mario Cristobal wants his team to be able to do. And... But I do think... And look, they brought this up on the broadcast, and they were spot on. I think I know what you're talking about. And I agree they're hiking the ball um, way too early. I mean, yeah, way, way too, too early. early. So I went and counted it all. You know, this, this of course doesn't include the snaps where George tech called a timeout. Um, but when Miami was running the ball in their four minute offense and the clock was still running, they hiked the ball with four seconds left on the play clock, eight seconds left on the play clock, six seconds left on the play clock, Two seconds, which I will, you know, two seconds yeah. is fine. That's that's perfectly fine. And then four seconds on the play clock. So you co- you combine all those times. I think if you just say, okay, you know, hypothetically snap the ball with two seconds left on the play clock on all those plays, that adds up to f- about 14 seconds, which would have, you know, of course maybe potentially change the game. That's one less play probably that Miami has to run. Um, Bottom line, it just shows a lack of detail to me from Shannon Dawson. And then of course, too, I think it's pretty clear Gabby on that last play. Um, You know, I think in the moment and after the game, you know, in our instant reaction podcast, I'm searching for answers like or searching for like, why would you run the game? Why would you do that? What is like? And so, you know, that Don Chaney trying to get a hundred yards thing is kind of where I tried to land on immediately after the game, you know, just talking to people and, and maybe just, you know, gathering a little more information. I don't think necessarily that is the reason. I think honestly, it just kind of comes down to number one, Shannon Dawson is calling the plays. He's calling the plays. Mario's kind of being hands off. And, 
you know, in those situations, Mario as a head coach needs to step in and tell him to kneel. Mario didn't do that, but Shannon is calling run plays, calling run plays, calling run plays. And instead of kneeling in that situation, he called another run play. Mario let it happen. I think too, to some extent, Mario Cristobal has that offensive lineman mentality of we're going to run, 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 run. We're going to finish, 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 finish. And so that's why they did that instead of kneeling the ball. Again, not excusing it. He did the wrong thing. Everyone, Shannon Dawson and Mario, did the wrong thing in that situation. Um, But I think now with a couple days since that outing, I think Shannon Dawson, you know, is the reason why they kind of ran the ball there. Yeah, I mean, I I think I think it all and I think he owned it, right? Like I think Shannon Dawson said it. Like he, he actually got a chance to step up to the podium because we obviously didn't talk to Shannon Dawson or anyone. Like he didn't do any post game stuff, and it's usually just Mario, a couple players. But Shannon Dawson walked up there and said, "Hey, I I, I called the play. Uh, I did all that." But I mean, to like at the same time, like it is Mario's. He's got to step in. Yes, yes, and I think Mario yeah. needs to step in and be like, "Guys, this game's over. We're up by, <laughs> we're up by three points." We just had a sick, perfectly executed four-minute offense. We got to exactly where we needed to be. And, I mean, we call it a four-minute offense, but they got the ball back with, like, five – it was, like, 530-something. Yes. So, this was, like, four-minute offense and then some. Like, they yep. like they ended the game with the ball in their hands. Like, they absolutely, like, took just took the air out of the ball, just really just completely controlled it. Like they, like it was mission accomplished. Like you did it. Like, and it was, it was fantastic. It, it was everything you needed to be, you know, they drew a face mask penalty, got an extra first, like, you know, just constantly move the chains, everything. It, it, it was perfect. It was literally perfect. Exactly how you draw it up. I'm sure exactly how you would want it to go. Otherwise, just, just, I mean, I just, my thing is like, if, if you, if someone tells you there's a, there's, there's a hundred percent chance that you win the game. If you run this play, like, and like on what universe would you not run that play? And right. he didn't. And again, I think he has to he has to he has to own that because he decided to, you know, run the ball. And again, I get and I get that that's a part of like the overall mentality. And I think that that's just really, you know, just one of the first things I thought It's just like it just feels Hopefully like it's just he like, learns. Yeah, it's a competitor's thing. It's just like correct. we're going to play. We're going to play through the whistle. We're going to finish. Correct. We're going to do all that stuff. Correct. But a part of, of it has to get to but a it's point. wrong in it's that wrong. situation. It is. It's, yes. And yes. and it. it and we look at the other games and I know there's kind of like this, like there's obviously like the other games he didn't kneel. Like, you know, like if you look at all the games, like Miami didn't kneel and any of those games, but I do like, obviously it was different as close. situations. Though. It wasn't as close as this yeah. one. This is just like, you just found a way to win this game narrowly. It's a conference game, you know, against Georgia tech, you snuck by, you did everything you got to, you had to do to win the game. Just take the win and get off the field. Like just get out of here. Like immediately. Yes. And you didn't do that, man. And and it, it's inexcusable. And man, it's just, uh, I mean, it's, it's super frustrating. And again, we can go on and on about the call and maybe some, even uh, some other calls on the field, like just over the course of the game that I thought were off, like whatever, well, like very, he annoying. was not, he did not fumble. That needs to be said. Yeah. He, he didn't fumble. Not he clearly he did didn't not fumble. fumble the football. He did definitely not. did not fumble the football. Just like, I, I mean, I don't know. Like I, per, I don't know if Inez Cooper held on the Henry prayers touchdown. Like I thought for how the game Dickie was tech. Like, Ticky yes, I thought call. it was extremely, extremely ticky tack. And then, like, I feel like on the the Haynes, a Haynes King run 
the one it, it wasn't the touchdown run, but it was the run that kind of put them at like the first in goal. I thought Jaden Davis was being held like as he was trying to kind of like go tackle Haynes King again, that didn't get caught. I don't know. I just feel like it was just like little things like that, where it's just like, if you're calling that holding call, like, come on, like there was definitely other things that you can point to whatever. I thought the Corey flag taunting was super, super soft. Like we're playing football yeah. here. It's a night game. Like, like this is ridiculous. I, I thought that was a ridiculous call that moved the chains. They ended up driving. They picked it off, whatever, but still lame call. Again, I thought like really the refereeing was obviously extremely questionable, but still, man, just just end the game and, and go home and take your win and and that's it and and that's all yeah. you got to do. I loathe ref talk, yeah. quite frankly, yeah. but the Don Chaney fumble was not a fumble. That's that was really bad. Um, so that's kind of as far as I want to take it. But again, everything circles back to just Neil, just Neil. So, um, offense. Yeah. I mean, that's really all I got to say about that. I, I think in general, you know, Shannon Dawson kind of let the Georgia take Georgia tech defense dictate to him for too long, which to me was disappointing to see again. I think the play designs in the red zone were fairly mediocre understanding Tyler Van Dyke was off that day. I get that. Um, and then some of the worst clock management you'll ever see at the end of a game. And then, of course, the, the turnovers. Like, I, I do think moving forward, I hope, because, look, we've seen this Tyler before. We've seen yeah. it. Um, I hope Shannon Dawson can do a better job than we saw last year of helping Tyler get out of those funks during games. I think we... For, I don't I don't know what Rhett Lashley did, but during that Rhett Lashley 2021 season, which was Tyler's first year, he would have slow starts and he would eventually get going in a big way. And maybe we did kind of see that here in this game. Um, but I just think it happened kind of too late. It happened in the second half. It happened like third quarter-ish. Whereas I feel like in those Rhett Lashley slow starts now, in those Rhett Lashley slow starts, Tyler still wouldn't recover enough to go win the game. I'm thinking about like maybe the Virginia game, his first start. I'm yeah. thinking about the North Carolina yeah, game. North Carolina game. Which he almost uh, did it. The Florida State game. They took the lead in the Florida State game after a really poor start by Tyler, but then Florida State won that game. Um, I just, I think it's going to be very important during the rest of this ACC schedule for Shannon Dawson to learn how to handle Tyler and get him out of those funks earlier, whatever it takes. Like he's the coach. He has to figure that out. I don't know what that takes, but Shannon Dawson needs to know what that takes. Attention business owners. Have you filed for the employee retention credit? Do the latest IRS releases have you concerned about your filing? Are you seeking clarity on your employee retention tax credit filing? If you've done your employee retention tax credit filing to a third party and have reservations about its accuracy, turn to the experts at Musarino Furdock PLLC. Their team of experienced tax professionals will conduct a, a meticulous assessment of your filing ensuring it adheres to all relevant regulations and guidelines. Their rigorous evaluation process will leave no stone unturned, providing you with a comprehensive analysis of your employee retention tax credit submission. There's no hidden fees, 
They're here to help business owners who may have fallen victim to a third-party scheme. Seek certainty in a complex landscape. Call Musarino Furdock, PLLC, at 561-437-0414 or visit musarinofurdock.com. That's M-U-C-E-R-I-N-O-F-U-R-D-O-C-K.com. This episode is also brought to you by Midway Sports, your one-stop shop for all of your sporting good needs, located just two miles south of the University of Miami. This locally owned small business has everything you would need to gear up for every sport. Their stocked up men's, women's, and kids selections has you and your family covered for all of your outdoor needs. Use promo code SMOKE15 for 15% off your online order at MidwaySports.com. Are you a business owner or manager in need of seasonal or temporary staff? Let the folks at LT Pro Enterprises assist. The folks at LT Pro Enterprises can help you find laborers for your business in the state of Florida with an expanding footprint to other states as well. Reach out to Lionel Torres at TorresLionel1, the number one, at gmail.com. LT Pro Enterprises your source for all of your staffing and labor needs. Let's get out of here on this. Just And to me, like, you know, Gabby, I talk a lot about just the theme of Miami knowing how to navigate a season and how Miami's been poor with that for the last 15 years. And, and just like big picture wise, that to me is like the most disappointing thing about yeah. this Georgia Tech game because – you know, it goes back to this, you know, these big, broad, big picture ideas of like, how does Miami handle success? How do you, you know, what do you get done off of a bye week? How do you handle, um, you know, coming out slow? How do you handle adversity? How do you bounce back from poor performances? Um, are you in a general upward trajectory during the course of the season? Is the coaching staff maximizing its talent? Is there a culture of maintaining study habits in terms of preparation every week during the course of the season? You know, for the most part, Miami's been subpar in, in these questions for the past 15 years. We thought maybe this year would be different and maybe it still can be because this season's not over and maybe this is just a, a little bump in the road. But to me, this Georgia Tech loss is concerning in that big picture standpoint. They didn't look good coming off a bye, which we talked about as yeah. like a key. Um, and at the at the end of the game, with the game one, your coach created your own adversity. So, and look, losses are going to happen. I don't think anyone thought this team was going undefeated. Um, and and look, we're with Miami with where they're at right now with their talent level. They will play well against some teams and still lose. That's sports. And uh, there's going to be only one or two teams at the end of the year that are undefeated. Um, but to me, it's it's just that question of like, are you doing everything you can to maximize what you can be? And Miami fell way short of that in this Georgia Tech game, which to me is concerning. And now we'll see how they navigate the rest of the season, right? Um 
you know, I do think winning 10 games is like going to be very hard to do now um, after that loss. Um, and, and quite frankly, I think at the end of the year with whatever Miami's record is, we're going to look back at this Georgia tech game and say, man, that was a big deal. Whether it's, you know, if Miami finishes eight and four, I think we're going to look back at that Georgia tech game and say, they should have been a nine and three season, which to me is a massive difference. Eight and four, right. nine and 100%. three. If Miami finishes nine and three, we're going to look back and say, wow, this could have been a 10 win team. And that's a massive difference. Um, if Miami somehow gets rolling and finishes 10 and two, are they going to be in the mix for the ACC championship game? Like they probably should be. Um, but it's going to be tougher with two ACC losses if you're 10 and two now. So this Georgia Tech loss could have massive implications beyond just being an embarrassing way to lose a game. Um, you only get 12 regular season games, and that's why navigating a season is so important. That's why this this loss is such a brutal loss. I'm not so I'm not sold, Gabby. I'll say this: I'm not sold that this loss is going to carry over to North Carolina or anything like that. From what I'm hearing so far, and again. This could be spin. This could be BS. Take it with a grain of salt. But what I'm hearing so far is this year's group is different from last year's group. And we know how last year's group handled this type of adversity. They did not handle it well. But it's 41 new scholarship players this year. It's a different group. What I'm told is there's no finger pointing. There's no negative Nancys in the locker room right now bringing everything down. So... Let's see how, how they perform. To me, that's the way that they come out and look, to me, is almost more important than what the result of the game is against North Carolina. Um, to me, they need to come out and look engaged, play a competitive game, and let the chips fall where they fall. So I don't know. That was a big rant. But to me, that's just why... Like obviously the embarrassment factor is is annoying that Miami lost in that way, but to me, just the biggest reason why this this loss is is brutal is because of the whole like we thought this year could be different in that way, and that loss makes you think like Ugh, it's more the same stuff that we've seen for the last fifteen years. Yeah, it felt it felt extremely familiar to me. Uh, you know, just that whole that whole feeling of just being that just disappointing, that whole disappointment. But look, I mean, these guys just got to find a way to turn the page. And yeah, like I think big picture wise, if you're thinking like, you know, what, what, what this could look like at the end of the year. And I absolutely think regardless of whatever the season looks like, like, I mean, even like, let's say this team just doesn't do everything they want to do. And even if they go like, you know, let's say even seven and five, like you can say right. that this should, should be an eight, eight win. Yeah, they should yeah. have been eight and four. Like, you know, like I think like conversely, like even the opposite way, if it even just goes like not really as expected, like, you know, it just, at the end of the year, we're going to feel like Miami lost out on one. Like there was a clear like, like and, and I think that's again, like in the scope of college football and in this world that we, like it's it's such a big deal. Like every every game matters so much. And uh, to know that there was a game out there that you should have won that was right there. They did the win. Yeah, they, they, you won. I mean, you won the game. And in the standings, it, it's going to come out as a loss. It's uh, correct. It's 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 tough. That, that's a tough, tough pill to swallow, especially with it being an ACC game. Your first ACC game against an ACC team that, you know, you should. I mean, 
you're gonna have you a, lot, a you're twenty gonna, point favorite. Yeah, how many twenty have point favorites to, lose straight up? Like right. it's very rare. It, it it's 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 tough. And then again, you just kind of look at look at the schedule now. I mean, you got two of your toughest games of the season coming up, right? And again, it's it's how you bounce back. And again, I'm not and I'm not tying the result to what I think is going to happen. But like, I'm not either. I mean, but like in my head and I, like this, and this is just my kind of thoughts and just how I was kind of like just thinking about the season and just looking at the schedule. Like in my head, I'm saying, you know, you beat Georgia Tech and look, let, let find a way to split North Carolina and Clemson. And obviously, I think those are two winnable games. Like I think Miami could very I think they could win both those games. But it's just like, man, like, again, obviously, I'm not expecting Miami to go undefeated. And like if you could go one and one in those games, like that's a win to me. Like, I think that's a good spot to be in your what at that point you're six and one or something like that. If you split them and you're going into November feeling pretty good or like, you know, I don't know. And so now you're in a situation where you kind of have to win both of those games. If again, if you want to accomplish like, you know, going to play for a conference title or something along those lines, I just feel like it, I feel, I just feel like pressure's on like pressure's on and you gotta, you gotta deliver, uh, you know, these next couple weeks. And, you know, if you want to kind of keep things on track, and 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 again, look, I think that this team could definitely bounce back from this, and you know, I I, I, I can I can buy into the the belief that this is a different group, and you know, the leaders are are different, and no one's moping around and all that. You know, I can I can get yeah. on board with all that stuff for you know right now, um, just based on everything that we've kind of got from all that stuff. But look, I still think that you know they're gonna have to prove it, and you know, obviously, huge huge test on Saturday night with uh, North Carolina up. So we'll see how these guys kind of do it. Yeah. And I will say like people, a lot of people are referencing the 2018 Oregon loss to Stanford that had some similarities in terms of end of game management by Mario Cristobal. They turned around and, and played a number 24 California team and a number seven Washington team in the following two games after that Stanford debacle and Oregon won those two games and those ducks that that ducks team finished the year nine and four overall so Mario Cristobal again unfortunately this is just kind of his profile as a coach uh, he will have some head scratching losses but he does have success in high profile games so we'll see that starts this week against North Carolina we'll get into that North Carolina game in our next podcast. Appreciate Evan for listening. Sorry if if this podcast was a lot of rambling, but I feel like we just wanted to have somewhat of a free-flowing discussion on on everything that we saw or noticed coming out of that Georgia Tech game. And um, until next time, take care.